You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. And let me pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much for speaking to us in your word. We thank you so very, very much for the gift of your spirit to open our eyes to it. We thank you very, very much for the Jesus it points us to. Please, our Heavenly Father, by your spirit, through your word, point us to Jesus tonight. Show us him. May we adore him and be found in him. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, Have you ever done that thing uh, where someone asks you a question uh, and in response, uh, you have to get up and position yourself around the room, sort of uh, answer the question according to your position in the room. You know, so perhaps it's on a scale of zero to ten, uh, how much do you love Australia? You know, zero over there, ten over here, you know, where would you stand? How do you answer the question? Um, I'll never forget when one of the CU girls said that they did a question a bit like that in one of her first tutorial classes. Um, at the start of the year, uh, a kind of get-to-know-you question. Uh, What was the question? Uh, It was this. Young people should experiment as much as they can with sex before marriage. Do you agree? Strongly agree, stand over here. Strongly disagree, stand over here. And so the class stood up and answered the question by their position in the room. The class stood up and identified themselves and their attitude to sex for everyone to see. And of course, where do you suppose most of the class stood? In their first tutorial class, trying to look cool in front of the rest of the class. And where do you suppose that Christian girl stood? As she tried to stand for Jesus in the face of the crowd. She was wonderfully courageous. It actually led to wonderful opportunities. And the reason I share it tonight is because tonight I want us to do much the same thing. I'm not going to ask you to stand, Uh, it's not about sex. But mentally, I want you to place yourself now along the front of the room as I ask this question. On a scale of none to ten, how would you rate yourself with God? Where are you now in your closeness to Him? In your nearness to God, where would you stand? If zero is as far as you could possibly be, and tens as close as any could get. How would you rate yourself with God? Okay, and, and then mentally hold that thought, or you could even write it down on your outlines there. And then let me ask you, uh, whether you're here at Summit investigating Jesus, and if you are, it's great that you're here, or if you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember, uh, what would it mean to you if by the end of tonight we could guarantee... 
that according to God himself, you could be here. A perfect 10 with God. Completely accepted by him. What would it mean to have the kind of welcome we saw last night? And no, we'd never be taken away. Do you remember with the white sheets and the white towels and the teary eyes and the welcome home? And we'd never be taken away. You would never have to worry again that maybe you're not good enough. Never have to wake in the night haunted by that sin. Never have to wonder about where you stand with God. What would that mean to you? When I first met my darling wife, um, who wasn't yet at that stage uh, my darling wife, um, one of the things I desperately wanted was her approval and acceptance of me. And for her to know the real me, including my real past, and her to still accept me, And I will never forget the day she did. The day I shared it all. Even the things of which I am most ashamed. And she still accepted me. Imagine for a moment you could have that with God. What would that mean to you? Because the really incredible, in fact, ridiculous news of the Bible is you can. In fact, right now. How? By being found in Christ. By being one with him. You see, left to ourselves, the Bible is clear of where you and I stand when it comes to God. Left to ourselves when it comes to God, the Bible insists that we belong here. As far from God as we could possibly be. As confronting as it is to hear. As contrary it is to the words of the world, according to God both by birth and behavior. By the simple fact we're the offspring of Adam. By the fact that we've all ignored our God, all of us belong here. Every single one of us has cut ourselves off from God. Every single one of us has excluded ourselves from life with Him. As Paul was saying, Ephesians 2, do you have Ephesians 2? Ephesians 2, we'll come on the screen, but it's good if you can see it in your Bibles. Ephesians 2 from verse 12. Ephesians 2 verse 12, remember... That at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. You were zero when it comes to God. And just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it does. Because as soon as we naturally ask, well, what can we do to make things right? What can I do to get to there? What does the Bible say? Nothing. There is nothing you can do to move up the scale. Nothing you can do to make things right with God. As Paul will say just a little earlier, Ephesians 2 again, this time verse 1. Do you see it there? Ephesians 2 verse 1. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Or jump down to verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. When my girls were little, uh, one of the things my father loved to do was take them Christmas tree shopping. Uh, Christmas would roll around, he'd load them into the car and they'd go to the Christmas tree farm. They'd choose themselves a tree. Here they are, looking beautiful. They still look beautiful, they're just an older version of beautiful. <laughs> if they ever listen to this, you're beautiful. Um, they would cut themselves, a tree. they would choose themselves a tree and then they would cut themselves a tree and what would happen the moment they did? The moment they did, that tree died. Didn't look it, of course. It looked alive. It actually looked good. In fact, back at the house, we all acted like it was. We sort of dressed it all up, surrounded it all with the best things of life. But no matter how much we did, as soon as that tree was cut from the thing that gave it life was the moment that tree began to die. Here's the point. According to the Bible, that's us too. No matter how we dress ourselves up, no matter what we surround ourselves with, no matter how alive we seem, or even how good we appear, both by birth and behaviour, because of the family tree to which we belong, because of the way we've cut ourselves off from God, we are, according to God, without hope, without God, dead in our sins, deserving of wrath. It reminds me of some ways of when my best mate's dad died. Uh, my best mate's dad was in hospital, very, very sick. Uh, he was in the bed and he was connected to all these kind of cords and wires and tubes designed to keep him alive. But then tragically one day somehow in a delusional state he got up out of the bed and he pulled out the cords and the wires and he tried to make for the door. And the time they got to him and got him back to the bed, it was too late. And very soon after he died. It was just the most horrible, tragic thing. And here's the point. According to the Bible, that's you. And not just physically, but spiritually too. And not just now, but eternally too. And there is nothing you can do to fix what you have done. There is nothing you can do to get any closer to God. Without hope. Without God. Dead in your sins. Deserving of wrath. But, but, Ephesians 2 again, in the very next verses, 
Don't follow the ones we just read. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins. Or jump down this time to verse 13. Again, in the very next verses to the one that we read. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Two things to notice in each of those verses. First, do you notice who is the one who does all the doing? Who is the one who makes it all right? Do you notice? It's not you. It's not me. It's a common to think, isn't it, that if I want to get here from all the way down here, then the only way it can happen is if I do something about it. By my work, my will, even my believing as hard as I can. After all, just think for a moment of that question we began with about you and God and how close you are. How did you answer that question? What did you base your number on? My guess is for most of it, you based it on you, didn't you? Your performance, your feelings, your actions. You know, I had a good day, make me an eight. I just thought with lust, make me a two. But you see in these verses, it's simply not how it works. It's not about you. You are not the subject. Instead, who is? God, did you see? Christ, did you see? They are the ones who do all the doing. They are the ones who do what only they can do, Ephesians 2 again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. Verse 13 again, but now Christ Jesus who in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Like the lyrics of that almost old Christian song, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Because he is rich in mercy. He sent his son to put on flesh as one of us to live for us and die for us, to always be a perfect 10. In relation to God, absolute perfection. In relation to God, perfect connection. And then, incredibly, as he lives for us and dies for us, as he rises again and sends us his spirit, he offers to share his complete perfection, perfect connection with us, without any help from us. He offers to take us with him to God. So that like him, we might be 10 out of 10 with him. How does he do it? By uniting us to him. By including us in him. So that wonderfully, miraculously, wherever he is, we are. And get this. Whatever he did, we've done. Now, on the face of it, I want to admit, it sounds a little weird. 
And for, can you imagine a friend comes to you tonight after the session and breaking all the rules of appropriate personal space, they lean in real close. And what do they say? I have a profound oneness with God. God's life is coursing in me. My life is flowing through him. We are intimately and eternally one. I want to say that sounds a little weird, right? I mean, I made it sound weird, but it sounds weird. <laughs> but I wonder if you've noticed again and again, that's how the Bible speaks of you. If you trust in Christ, you are in him, with him. In Christ, with Christ. That's you if you trust in him. And so take, for example, Ephesians chapter 1, that reading we heard. I wonder, did you notice how many times in Christ or in him or in the one he loves was used? In fact, why don't you grab your Bibles now? Ephesians chapter 1. Turn to Ephesians 1 with the person next to you in about 20 seconds. In verses 3 to 14, see how many you can find. 20 seconds, time starts now. Person next to you, go. All right, that's all the time you got. You can feel free to read your Bibles in your own time later. <laughs> anyone get a number, though? How many did you find? How many did you find? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone wants finding Ephesians? Five. We got five, 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 four, four, four. Normally the bidding goes up, but okay, five, four, <laughs> five, four. Anyone else got more than five or four? Yep, someone here. Eight. We got eight. We might just, might just sell it at eight. Thank you very much. I don't actually don't even know how many there are in there. I don't have an answer. Um, all I know is it's a lot, right? It's a lot in just 12 verses. And it's not just there. Here's the thing. Across New Testament, again and again, it's in Christ, with Christ. Ephesians 2, created in Christ. Galatians 2, crucified with Christ. Colossians 2, buried with him. Colossians 3, raised with Christ. Ephesians 2, seated with him in the heavenly realms. Romans 6, united with him. And to put that in perspective... Do you know how often the word Christian is used in the New Testament? I think it's more than zero. Yeah, I probably have to check this one later, but I'm pretty sure it's three times. Christian, three. In Christ, with Christ, literally hundreds of times. Why does God say it so often? Because that's what he wants you to know. That's what really happens to you by his spirit when you trust in Christ. And here's the thing. It's not just a figure of speech. Like a metaphor of closeness. You know, you're sown to him, he's sown to you. It's as if you're one. Now, if you trust in Christ, you really are one with him. I'll put it to you this way. It's not like you and your favorite team. On Monday afternoons, I know say Monday afternoons, Nathan and I catch up with a mate, but obviously it's on Monday afternoons, Nathan and I used to catch up with a mate <laughs> and read Uncover Mark. Uh, and our standard practice is to first check in on the footy results, uh, especially the Mighty Swans and uh, two other teams who I can't even remember right now. <laughs> anyway, how do you suppose the check in goes? Uh, do we say, how did the Swans go? You know, how did the Hawks go? No, we don't say that. We say, how did you go last weekend? How was your team? You know, did you win? 
Never mind the fact the closest I got to the game was the highlights app about two hours later. No, on Mondays with Nathan, it's my team. And especially when we win, like we did about a week ago when the Swans beat the Hawks. I don't know if you remember. But anyway, that's a... <laughs> but see, here's the thing. According to God, it's not like that when it comes to Christ. It's not just a figure of speech. He's not just the team I cheer. Now, when it comes to Christ, when you put your trust in him, you really are one with him. And incredibly, not just starting now or from now on, but by God's amazing design, as you trust him now, you are in him then. As you trust him in the present, you're included in his past. When he died for you and rose again. Listen to Romans 6. There were the pictures I was looking for. Listen to Romans 6. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, that is, uh, who put our trust in him, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Or Colossians chapter 3, and this one won't come up, so look this up. Colossians chapter 3, it was our second reading. Colossians chapter 3, I'll give you a moment. Colossians 3 from verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, I don't know how about you, but for me, I think the classic image of how salvation works is, is Jesus over there and me over here. You know, with him fighting the battle and me cheering on. Where he's the knight in shining armor and I'm kind of the damsel in distress. Where he slays the terrible dragon and I swoon and cheer and rely on his achievements. And of course, there's something really good in that. That's what the Bible says. But here's the thing. That's not all the Bible says. The Bible also says in verses like those we just read, that not only does Jesus fight the battle for me, but as I trust in him, he includes me in the fight. So, so much more than sort of swooning and cheering and just watching the battle. As we put our trust in him, Jesus reaches down from his horse and swings us into the saddle. And he goes to the battle with us. He goes to the cross with us. He rises again with us. He slays our dragons of sin and death and guilt and shame with us. Even as he slays them for us. And then what does he do? Wonderfully. Victoriously. He rides his horse to where he alone belongs. And where's that? To perfection and connection with God. To 10 out of 10 with God. 
And who is there with him, riding in his victory? I am. And you are, if we trust in him. There in his death. There when he rose. And even now, with him, with God, where we were made and saved to be. See, we started with a question today, didn't we? By asking a scale of none to ten, where do you stand with God? But truth be told, there is no scale. In fact, there are just two separate spheres, two separate worlds, one of death, the other of life. One a zero, the other a ten. One of distance from who you should be and where you should be, and the other with God in Christ, both now and forever. See, I don't know how you answered that question to start, but if you are not now in Christ, if you don't trust Jesus and live for him, then according to God, this really is you. And there is nothing you can do to change that fact. like a cut tree, like my mate's dad. You are right now cut off from life and you will face the judgment of God. But you don't have to. Why? Because in Christ, in love, God's done all that you need to move you from there to there. To give you life. And all you have to do is take his hand and let him pull you up. All you have to do is trust in him and live with him as your saving king. And if you've already done that, if you already do, then this really is where you live. And so I want to ask again, as we did at the start, what does this mean to you? For you to be and know now that you are now 10 out of 10 with God, perfectly, completely accepted by him, what does that mean to you? I want to suggest two things. At least two things it should radically mean. And the first of those is assurance. To be sure of your place with him. Almost 20 years ago, I stood at the front of a church. I said to Erica, my wife, just before she said the Pete words that got her into trouble, I said to Erica, my wife, all that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Do you know what she said? All that I am. No, she didn't speak like that. All, all that I am. All that I have, I give to you. 
See, when you trust in Christ, that's what happens to you. That's what you say to him. And really incredibly, that's what he says to you. All your zero, he takes from you. All your sin, he takes from you. All his ten, he gives to you and he'll never ask it back. That is always yours to keep. So often we assume, don't we, that's our performance that gets us in. And it's our performance that rules us out. So if we're going to move up and down the scale, it's all about what we do. Have a good day, we come a little closer. Have a bad day, we move far away. But please hear from God today. It's never that way for those who are in Christ. His performance is always 10. And that is yours if you are His. It's just as that great reformer Martin Luther once wrote, When the devil throws our sins at us and declares we deserve death and hell, how should we speak? We ought, he says, to speak thus. He probably didn't. He's probably speaking a different language. But anyway, there you go. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? Does this mean I shall be sentenced to eternal damnation? By no means. For I know the one who suffered for me. And made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And where he is, there I shall be. Friends, you will never, ever, ever be outside the love of God if you are in his Son. What wonderful assurance that is. And second thing, what a great motivation to live for him. That's the second thing, at least of probably a whole lot more, that should radically change. What a great motivation to live for him. Not so we can earn his love, it's already ours. Not trying to make us right, we already are. So be who you are, that's what the Bible says. Be the new you, that's what the Bible says. In fact, immediately after those verses you read, both in Romans 6 and Colossians 3, that's what Paul goes on to say. Because you are now in him, because you died and rose with him, you're not the person you used to be, so don't go back. You're a whole new you, so don't give in to the call of sin. There's a really great story, one of my favorites, about a famous old Christian named Augustine. Uh, and it's a story about a run-in he had with a prostitute. Uh, see, before he became a Christian, Augustine was a terrible, wild sinner, especially when it came to sex. But in time, he turns to Jesus and he gave up his old life. And one day, after turning to Jesus, Augustine's walking down the street. And a prostitute saw him. A prostitute Augustine had been with many times before, before he turned to Jesus. And so she calls out to Augustine. So he'd come back again. And she says, Augustine, Augustine. But he ignores her and keeps on walking, as presumably you would. She cries out louder, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine stopped. And he turned. And do you know what he said? Yes. But it is no longer I. I am not the person I used to be. And do you see, neither are you if you are in Christ. 
What a great motivation to live for him. On a scale of none to ten, where do you stand with God? If you're here tonight and you don't trust Jesus, then this is where you are and there's nothing you can do. But God in Christ has done all you need. All you have to do is trust in him to be with him and ten out of ten with God. And you can do that tonight. And if there's something you want to do, please talk to someone tonight. Please do that tonight. And if you're here tonight and you do trust Jesus, then here again, this is where you are and always will be in Christ. What a wonderful assurance of where you stand with him and a wonderful motivation to go on living for him. Let's pray about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so very, very, very good to us. We acknowledge and confess our rejection of you. We acknowledge and admit we are nothing before you. We acknowledge and admit our guilt before you, but we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus who lived for us and died for us and rose again and sent his spirit. We thank you so very much that we put our trust in him. Then where he is is where we are and that in him we can be and always will be 10 out of 10 with you. We pray you might grant that wonderful gift to every single person in this room. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.